This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. I'm your host, Arum. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Let's start the show. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast, and I'm really excited to bring you today's guest. We got two for one today, so it's going to be an exciting time. We have uh, Miss Moira Johnston and Nikki Rosen on the podcast today. They're both the founders of Event Room, a Cape Town-based tech startup that lists event spaces from every type around the country. I've heard them called the Airbnb of event space in South Africa, and I'm really excited to see what they have to tell us today. Uh, I've given a brief introduction uh, of both of you. I was wondering if you can take time and let the bandits get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um, so hi to everyone. First of all, this is Moira speaking. Um, so just to give you a very brief bio of myself and then Nikki can give you a brief bio of herself. Um, my background is actually in law. So I started my professional life as a lawyer um, and I then did my master's in marine and, and environmental law um, and I was in oil and gas law for a number of years. Okay. Um, and I then went into marketing at a law firm and part of my job there was to book conference venues and set up conferences and, you know, year-end functions and all those kinds of things. Um, and that's how I sort of was introduced to the nightmarish world of trying to find a venue in South Africa. Um, it was a really long and, and painful process. Um, so I had that kind of in the back of my mind when I resigned from law to start my first startup, which is called Lawyer Up, and is an online legal marketplace. Um, uh, uh, sorry, an online marketplace for legal services. Mm. Uh, and then after Lawyer Up had been going for about a year, I approached Nikki with the idea for Event Room, um, which really functions in the same way as you said as Airbnb for event spaces. So you can list any space from private residence to you know a castle. Oh. Um, and Nikki happily joined me, um, mm. and I'll let her tell you how she came to be in a position to join me. Okay, yeah. great. So, Nikki speaking now. Um, my career started way back as a scientist, um, and then down the road I had a crossroads in my life and I needed to decide whether to carry on to do a PhD or completely change tack. And after a bit of convincing from my father, I decided to go and study accounting. And became an accountant. And just as I was finishing up my articles, um, I just had my first son at the time. Wow. And um, Moira approached me with this idea for Event Room. Um, and at first I thought she was a bit crazy. I was like, <laughs> am I going to survive with no salary for a while? But I did a little bit of research and I didn't really want to be in corporate life forever. Huh. I did want to work for myself, that's why I became an accountant. Um, and so I just took the leap of faith and my husband luckily agreed that it was a great idea and yeah. let me and yeah, huh. that's how we got into business together. Very nice. And so what was that initial process of starting Event Room like? Scary. Uh, scary. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was, I think it was more scary for Nikki than it was for me simply because I'd met before, um, so I wasn't completely new to the idea or the prospect of kind of cold calling and setting up meetings and trying to pitch your idea to, to potential users and venues. Hmm. Um, but, you know, starting a new business is never easy. Um, Just knowing where to start is sometimes very difficult and I found that very helpful having Moira there to sort of guide me in that because she'd done it already. Okay. Um, she'd actually worked in another startup before starting her own startup as well. Huh. So, um, yeah, a startup law firm. Yeah. So not a tech startup, but a startup law yeah. firm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we just, um, in terms of the process that we followed, it was really just a case of, um, I'm a very big adherent of uh, the the get out of the building theory. Huh. In other words, if you want to know what your target market 
thinks or feels or wants, then you have to go and speak to them. Yeah. You can't just assume. Yeah. You can't sit at your desk and stay safely behind your computer and make all of these assumptions and hypothesize about what you think they want and need and then try and build something around that. It's just never going to work. You need to go out there and speak to people and hear what they have to say and where the problems are and then once you've collected all that data, you need to build something that you think will solve their problem and then you need to validate that that thing that you've built does solve their problem. So Hmm. you need to get it into their hands. And once again, getting it into their hands is a process of getting out of the building and going to them and saying, here it is, use it, tell me what you think. And having a really thick skin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. There are two two really important things that I want to pull out of what you both were talking about. You said starting is never easy. And I think that's what a lot of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs need to understand is that no matter how simple the idea seems, it'll take, it's very complex to make a simple idea very simple and and to flesh it out. it's it's always good to partner with someone like uh, Nikki was saying, Moira had experience and it was very beneficial because one person was a little bit uh, more risk averse than the other. So it worked out in terms of uh, balancing out the the startup relationship. And the second thing you said is getting out of the building. It is important to go to your target market. You can build this amazing platform for essentially no one and find out that you spent too much time or you've built something that the market doesn't even need. So I think that's really great advice that you gave. Another great thing that we've learned is you really need to be very focused. A lot of Hmm. um, sort of other people come to us with ideas now that we're in the press press and people are starting to know about us and they come with all their ideas. And we find a lot of them just have too many ideas. And a lot of them are great ideas, but they need to sort of stick to one. Hmm. And for it. Yeah. And just like you know, have, I have the guts a, to go for it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I read an article um, in which Vinnie Lingham was, was interviewed recently. And, you know, he gave the exact same advice. He said, take a page out of Sweet South's book. Um, Sweet South is a Cape Town-based startup that um, hmm. focuses on, on home cleaning. And he said, take a page out of their book and be really good at one thing. Yeah. Mm. So Mm. that's really what you should try and do instead of trying to be really good at 20 things. Yes, yes. I like that. Uh, I like to use the word focus as an acronym to mean follow one course until success. Yes. That's that's really clever. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And I mean, just... Speaking in terms of Nigeria and some of the other countries in Africa, you see when you when you go back, there are so many opportunities and it's it's difficult to stay focused. So what are some tips that you guys can give to the bandits on staying focused? Because I'm sure there are so many opportunities in South Africa as well. Yeah, just chat to people about their ideas, maybe. Find one that a lot of people like and then stick with that one. Make sure you stick with it and just, you're going to get bashed down. Whatever idea it is, there's going to be people that don't like it, don't want to use it. Once you find something that you are pretty certain is going to work, just have the guts to stick with it Hmm. and see it. I like that. And so when you guys started Event Room, did you raise money initially or was it bootstrapped? We bootstrapped initially, and we've just had our uh, seed round now, which we've just closed. So we've just got our first bit of funding. Oh, very nice. It hasn't yet hit the bank account, but it's on its way, way, thank goodness. Okay. And so for some of the bandits who are going through that process, it can be a little bit tricky. So can you, uh, you don't have to talk specific figures, but can you talk a little bit about that process of fundraising? Well, we're very lucky because um, we have a partner who is, he kind of just focuses on the investment side of things um, and okay. allows us to get with the, with the ideas. Um, so what we've done now with Lawyer Up, my previous company, and Event Room is we have combined them under a holding company. So they are two subsidiaries of the same holding company. And then what we uh, tasked our other partner with, Davey, uh, is finding funding 
for the holding company. Okay. With these two products underneath it, and he then went out and and pitched to various investors. Um, he has quite an extensive network um, because of the fact that he just completed his MBA at Cambridge University. In, oh, wow. in so yeah, um, due to that fact, he he has an extensive network of uh, funders and investors and VCs and. And, and just people in the startup industry who he knows and was able to, you know, get in contact with and set up meetings with and then pitch the ideas to. Um, and, yeah, we provided him, obviously, with all of our relevant metrics, and he then went out and, and got us some funding, for which we were very grateful. Yeah, nice. And it seems like you guys have uh, sort of focused on the dynamics of the team from the early stages, and I think that's something important. What advice can you give to the bandits on on building a strong team, and how can you sort of stay focused on building a strong team in the initial stages? Um, well, because the two of us are sisters, we know how to fight, basically, <laughs> <laughs> and argue, and and we don't just run away from the relationship. Um, when things get tough. And I think that's very important um, when you're gathering your team. You need to have someone that you can trust, someone that you know, and someone that you aren't going to just pack in the towel with. You know, sort of you aren't just going to run away at the first sign of trouble, and they aren't going to run away at the first sign of trouble. Um, so our belief is really that a pre-existing relationship is beneficial. Um, yeah. Contrary to a lot of a lot of other founders and and entrepreneurs will tell you, who, you know, their advice was don't ever work with friends and family. Um, and Davy, uh, my founder and lawyer, up is a very good friend of mine from varsity years, and then Nikki, of course, is my sister. So I just completely disregarded that. <laughs> um, but. But it's worked out well for me, and, and you know, I've, I said in a previous interview that um, uh, Y Combinator, I don't know if you know Y Combinator, yes. um, they in fact said that they will not look at startups who don't have co-founders who have a pre-existing relationship mm. because of the fact that it helps so much with ensuring that they don't throw in the towel at the first sign of trouble. Mm. You know, it's a relationship on which you have a strong foundation and that helps you to kind of weather the storm that is startup life. Yeah. So when you're building your team, you know, there's, there's two things that I would really say are uh, my advice. And that would be find people with whom you have a pre-existing relationship and who you trust and you feel you can you can work well with. And secondly, find people who have diverse backgrounds and complementary skills. Complementary skills. Hmm. So you know, I'm a lawyer and Nikki is an accountant, and then we have a technical uh, team as well. So. You want to find people who, who don't have the same skills as you. They have complementary and different skills so that you can have a really well-rounded team. Yes, very, very good advice. And I'm curious, um, for those who are also going through that fundraising stage, how do, you, how do you figure out how much of the business to give up? Oh, God. I'll let the accountant answer that. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that was very difficult for us. Um, yeah. We basically, at this stage, just had to agree on how much we were willing to give up because yeah. any kind of valuation is tricky at this stage and yeah. not everyone agrees on on what the value of the company is. It's yeah. obviously worth a lot, a lot more to Moira and I than it is to outsiders. Yeah. So we just had to agree on how much we would give up um, yeah. for some of the money, um, and, and always, you know, with the with the goal <laughs> being to retain control, which yeah. is okay. which is what we we're able to do. Yeah. Um, but moving forward, and once you start generating revenue, obviously that's no longer a problem because evaluation then becomes a lot yeah. easier. Yeah. And yeah. so forward, if we do get further investment. Um, then we'll obviously have a, a formal evaluation, a fair evaluation done. Um, but yeah, for now it was really an agreement and, and trying to maintain control, yeah. controlling interest. Hmm. Okay. 
And I think it's important that some of the bandits understand that is maintaining control of the business is something that's crucial, especially in the beginning stages. Uh, some of the investors can be very well-intentioned, but they don't have the same vision you have for the company. So it's important for you as the leaders, as the founders, to be able to uh, steer the company in the early stages. For us, that was very important. Um, yes. We didn't want to give up our vision. Um, mm. I feel like we were working, working for, for someone. And that's yeah. why we have the corporate world in the first place. <laughs> yes. And so from fi five years from now, where do you see Event Room? Well, we have big plans and a big vision for the company. So we'd firstly like to consolidate um, our interest in South Africa. So we want to make sure that we are the dominant force in this space in South Africa. So that would be our first goal. Um, and then once we feel like we've achieved saturation of the event space market, we'd like to move into other market segments within the events channel, so, um, you know, caterers and entertainers and everything else. And then once we feel like that's saturated, we'd like to push the model into the rest of Africa. So then it would be about African expansion. Mm -hmm. um, and we're hoping that within five years, we will have uh, sown the seeds of our first African expansion. That's really the goal. We wow. don't expect all over the African continent, but yeah, certainly that would be the ten-year goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's really nice, and I mean, I I think we could spend a lot of time talking about uh, the business because it's really exciting to me. I, I love seeing people do, disrupting some of these traditional spaces that we normally see. But we're gonna move a little bit forward and talk about both of you as entrepreneurs. So, what fires you up in the morning? What is your morning routine, and why is that routine so important to you? Checking emails first thing. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Um, yeah. I, I think it's it's so much easier for me to get out of bed, knowing that I'm getting up to go and build something that's mine hmm. and ours, and instead of getting up, sitting in traffic, going to a job that I don't love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, any any. That you, the thing with entrepreneurship is that you know you vacillate between the highest highs and the lowest lows, and every tiny success puts you on cloud nine, and every tiny setback just puts you in the depths of despair. And so it's really a roller coaster. And in terms of morning routines, I mean, we're both very we we both come from corporate backgrounds, so. I think that's really helped us in the sense that we are very structured individuals. So, you know, we have a very set routine and we, you know, it's wake up, eat breakfast, check emails immediately, freak out about something <laughs> and then turn to our to-do list, which is always the last thing that we do before we uh, close up shop for the day. Hmm. So. We, we really believe in, in setting your goals for the next day, the previous day. Hmm. So checking email is obviously item number one, making sure that there's no fires to put out. And then once that's done, we turn to our to-do list, which we've done the previous evening, and we sit and we talk through what we're going to do that day, what each of us needs to handle, um, you know, just to, what the course of the day involves. And then we just start slowly working through it. You know, if I've got meetings, then I'll go off and do my meetings, come back, we'll discuss anything that's happened, and then um, at the end of the day, we'll sit and, and have another kind of team meeting and say, okay, what's happened today? What do we need to do tomorrow? And then we'll create our, our to-do list for the next day. And for us, um, customer service is really key. So we like to try and get to any queries or problems as soon as we possibly can. So. Yes answering emails, queries on their website, um, sort of getting back to customers as quickly as we, as we possibly can is one of one of the things I try to do as soon as I can in the morning. Hmm. That's great. And I think it's interesting to see that many different entrepreneurs have different ideas of how to, to start their day. And it's just about experimenting and finding out what, it, what works for you. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who, who won't start their day without first going to the gym. I've got a friend who's an entrepreneur who says that that's the only way that it works for him. You know, he needs to 
clear his head and, and go and have a swim at the gym first and that's his morning routine and he comes back. For me, I'm too anxious, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to go and swim um, because I'd just be thinking, oh my God, what's on email, what's on email, what's on email, you know, so you have to work according to what works for you and and I think Nikki and I also work well together because of the fact that we are similar in that respect and we we both like structure, um, you know, coming from, from our previous background. So, you know, it's, it's, it works well. And for us, it's just really about maintaining that routine and that structure that we've put in place for ourselves. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes now that we are um, bringing on some new employees and, and team members and things because, you know, there's always going to be a bit of a cultural shift with the introduction of new people. Um, and that's something that we also are, are very focused on getting right is, is just the company culture and making sure that, you know, people who are involved are passionate about the company and want to be here and love coming to work. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's, that's a really good thing. Uh, building the company culture is always something that can be difficult but it looks like you guys have a good grasp on what you're doing and and it seems like that's going to be successful in the, in the coming future <laughs> yeah and how how large is your team going to be how much are you looking to expand in this uh first stage well we're acquiring one person at this stage and we have a number of salespeople working for us just on a commission basis um the numbers kind of fluctuate. They're going up and up um, at this point. I think we have nine people working with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. So I'll go up a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, and and then we have an outsource PR agency, but that's not, you know, they're not. Okay. Okay. And what does that responsibility feel like of uh, sort of being responsible for nine other individuals? Well, like Nikki said, the, the sales reps are um, commission-based. Mm -hmm. They're not employees as such of the company. No. So Most um, of them have other Yeah, they have other jobs. Some of them don't, but some, some, of, yeah. them, some of them have other um, part-time jobs as well. So we're not completely responsible for them. <laughs> but yes, we, you know, we, we will now have a full-time employee mm. and that responsibility it, it's it's a lot to kind of deal with you know on top of the stress of, of running the business and everything yeah. because you know it's obviously the realization that if things don't work which is always a very real possibility um this person is going to be without a source of income yeah. so but we have made sure that obviously we didn't hire her before we were 100 percent certain that we had the funding and we made sure to tell her exactly what the terms and conditions were, kind of yeah. what to expect that this was a startup. She knows exactly what she's getting into and she's very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And we start to see that uh, this road of uh, this journey of being an entrepreneur is riddled with a lot of minute details. It's riddled with a lot of planning. So don't think it's going to be like in the movies that you see the, all the excitement, all the, the, the glitz and gra glamour. Uh, it's yeah. really about a lot of sitting down and planning. Yeah, even the glitz and glamour can be quite hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so we know it's a big part of being an entrepreneur is having passion, but another part is being able to generate income. So how do you guys generate income today? Today, we still are pre-revenue. Um, we're planning on introducing one of our revenue streams later in the year, um, which is, we've been debating between whether it's going to be commission or um, subscription-based model, or potentially both in the beginning. Um, and then we have a, a few other revenue streams in the pipeline, including um, partnering with an insurance company to offer our customers um, events liability insurance and venue insurance, hmm. and um, partnering with... Um, an event planning company to offer event planning services through our website. Um, so we would share commission with them. And there was another one. Sweet sound. Oh, yes. Uh, we're working now to finalize that, um, but that's going to be offering our venues 
cleaning services. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, and then obviously it's a, it's a kind of lead generation agreement there. So we're working on various ways to build up numerous revenue streams because we want to try and make the business as secure as possible and yeah. also as attractive as possible to any potential future investors. And that's really yeah. what they look for, you know, is, is numerous revenue streams. And so. also from the point of view of the customers, we want to offer them everything that they could possibly want um, on the website events, yeah. in, in terms of events and also to try and keep the costs down from a listing perspective. We've got a number of revenue streams and we can make the listings as cheap as we possibly can. Mm. And I think it's, it's sort of great. You've spoken a lot about all of these things that you want to do. And your initial plan, I think, is what's going to get you there is being able to go out and talk to the people and not just staying uh, cooped up in the office. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a big part of it. So, you know, with, with Eventrum, it's, it's tough to implement the revenue model straight off the bat because it's a two-sided marketplace. So... You can't start charging venues to list if you don't have enough users looking at their listings. Mm. So you have to first build up your bank of venues and then you have to start building up your user base. Yeah. Um, so that's why, that is the, the reason why we haven't started charging the venues yet because um, our goal is to get to 500 venues before we start charging because then you'll feel like we have enough users. You know, we currently are seeing great growth in user numbers, so we're fairly confident that by the time that was the sound of another venue listing. <laughs> great, the, the the sound of of progress is great. Yeah, so that's the plan. That's that's really great, and so moving forward a little bit. Uh, we know as being an entrepreneur, there's surely low points, uh, depths of despair, as someone once put it uh, earlier on in the podcast. So can you take the bandits and I to a specific moment where you felt down and defeated and felt like you were in this depth of despair? Um, talk about <laughs> development. <laughs> yeah, we've had some development uh, worries, hurdles, hmm. um, just in terms of finding the right people, getting it done in time, and just the time it takes and the effort it takes from our side is sort of not what we anticipated it would be. Obviously, we had no experience with working with developers or any kind of IT stuff, really. Yeah, we've not, um, neither of us have a technical background, so that whole... So that's been challenging. That whole aspect of it has been very daunting, and I think the most dreadful feeling is knowing that you've got this great idea and this potentially great product and you're working to set up all these affiliations and alliances and that whole side of things is going really well and then you speak to the developer and you know they're just nowhere mm. um, they, they haven't delivered something um, correctly and you feel very much out of your depth um, it's difficult to even communicate with them because they, they speak another language and you feel very much lost at sea, kind of, that's the best way to explain it and then you just feel like, you know, is this ever really going to happen, is it ever really going to mm -hmm. come to fruition that this mm -hmm. thing goes live and it happens and, and all of my hard work is not for nothing yeah. and you like in bed awake at night wondering if you're wasting your time and you should just pack it in because you don't, you know. No, you don't have the you don't have the the energy to carry on. But you know, then the next day you wake up and you've got an email and it just sends you on another high. So then you carry on. <laughs> huh. Huh. And what advice would you give to those non-technical founders out there working with developers? What is the best way to approach that relationship to sort of see your idea come to fruition? The best advice that I can give them is to make sure that you manage your developer and your development team very rigorously. So you need a feature backlog, you need a very detailed 
feature list and uh, you need to get the developer to commit to hours and then you need to have an agreement in place whereby if they don't deliver on time, you know, they, their fee is reduced or something to that effect so that there are consequences. Um, because if you kind of just leave it and, and leave them to their own devices, then it can spell disaster for you and your company. And how do you how do you push on every day? You you talk about having low points and high points, and it's just sort of this uh, this bumpy road. How do you continue to push on every time you have sort of bad experience or negative experiences as an entrepreneur? Well, a lot of the time we just talk it out. Luckily, we are not on our own. Um, we sort of talk to each other, tell each other how we're feeling. Have a little cry. <laughs> Have a little shout. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of talk about how we can move forward and, and what the next step needs to be and how we can get over this hurdle and Yeah, I think having a find something positive. I think having a co founder is, is really the key. You know, if, because nobody is gonna care about your business as much as you are. Yeah. Except yeah. Or your co-founder and somebody who's in it with you. You know, you can talk to your partner or your parents or whoever, but they don't really care. You know, they don't really get it. <laughs> um, so, and I feel very sorry for founders who are solo founders. I, I honestly that take my hat off to them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. And mm. you know, I think it must be one of the loneliest places to be. So, um, mm. I would I would credit my co-founder sitting here with with yeah. <laughs> my to keep going in the face of adversity. Yes, yes. And I think going back to you talking about Y Combinator, that's one of the big reasons is that there is just so much that goes on, especially for a young startup founder. There's so much. It's it's a really heavy burden for one person to carry. So try to find those people. Uh, Moira and Nikki have said it. Find people who you have existing relationships with because it sort of eases the pressure of starting a business. Yes, yeah. And on the other side of things, to, to get a little bit more upbeat, what is one moment where you guys have felt like you've made it, like you've arrived, and like you belong where you are? <laughs> I don't know that we do feel like that. <laughs> um, I guess the the moment when we were sort of happiest was when the first event was booked through the because then it was kind of like, oh my god, it actually works. People mm. use it, and then we got a great review from, mm. you know, the person who had booked the event and said that you know the process was seamless and she loved it and blah blah yeah. blah. And so, just that moment was kind of the defining moment of like, okay, we built this thing and it's been a success, even if it's only been once. At least it's mm. it's. Worked. I think since then as well, just. Um, the press that we've received in recent months has been really great and um, there have been a lot of people saying really nice things about us and who really seem to love what we're doing um, yeah. and that for me makes it easier to carry on and sort of makes me feel like we're doing something right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a great point to, that leads into the rapid fire round. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. And this is going to be exciting. We have double the guests, which means double the insight, double the knowledge that we're receiving today. So I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say was originally stopping you from taking the step to become an entrepreneur? The fear of failure and the fear of having no money indefinitely. <laughs> Same. Yes, yeah. And at what point did you stop looking at your business as a project and more as an actual business? Probably once we launched the website and we had some venues on there and like actual customers. Yeah, then it when felt people real. start interacting with you as the business owner, that's when, for me, it felt real. Hmm. And for each of you, what quality do you say contributes most to your success as an entrepreneur? For me, I would say it's the quality of being very regimented. 
I'm, I'm a very regimented, list-based, list-orientated, um, organized person. And I think you can't, you can't operate in the entrepreneurial space if you're not very organized. Yeah, I think that's similar for me. But for where I would also say um, her ability to network and mm. uh, speak to people very easily. And I think that's been very, very helpful for us. And... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah, you're probably right. Um the the greatest the greatest help and the greatest um our greatest successes have been as a result of the help we've received from our amazing network of mentors and allies. Um, yeah. and, and just the connections that we've been able to make. Um because you know, that's that's also another great piece of advice that I would give to any entrepreneur is find mentors and that is actually something that one of my first mentors, Sam Paddock, said to me in our very first meeting. Is he said, find mentors. And I said, well, Sam, where must I find them? They don't just fall out of the sky. You know, where must I find these? <laughs> and he said, you have to network. You have to go to startup events. You have to go to conferences and talks and, and you know, get out of, you know, once again, get out of the building and, and just... just become part of the startup yeah. ecosystem and you through doing that will find people and and people are very much more willing to lend a hand and give you advice than yeah. than what we originally and, anticipated and also uh, in addition to that just be willing to tell everyone you meet about what you do because mm. you find people on the airplane sitting next to you or like yeah. in the queue at the shops or wherever and they might be a valuable connection. They might just no, give you some great advice or know mm. somebody. They might be the right person to talk to. Mm. That's great. And like another entrepreneur I interviewed earlier on, he said, always be selling. He said, as an entrepreneur, essentially what you are is a salesperson. So you have to be selling at all times. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And what quality do you wish to improve on most as entrepreneurs? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, patience for me, uh, I think that's my my biggest weakness and something that I'd really like to be able to work on. I, I'm not a very patient person. Uh, I want everything to happen yesterday. And, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult for me to kind of tone that down and um, be understanding when things don't happen as fast as I'd like them to. Yeah. For me, probably confidence just um, yeah. in myself and confidence to speak to people. I don't always have that, which is why it's really great for me to have Moira on board. She always made me previously do the interviews, but you see, this is taking a step forward because now she's also being part of it. So yeah. your help. It's great. <laughs> Sounds like you both sound like professionals. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Obviously, telling her that she refused to do previous interviews. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I think uh, being able to get out there, sometimes it is difficult. Uh, one entrepreneur put it one way. He said, there's always that voice of doubt in the back of your mind. And he said, moving forward is not necessarily about quieting that voice. It's moving forward in spite of that voice. And that's where uh, we see sort of courageous people are made. And uh, I think it's as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have no choice but to be pushed into being courageous. <laughs> yes, I would definitely agree with that. I think it's that's that sums it up perfectly. It's moving forward in spite of that voice because that voice is always there, even for, you know, not just for somebody like Nikki who is more shy, but, but for me as well, you know, the fear of rejection and the fear of failure and the little voice telling you that it's never going to work is, is always there. It's just something that you have to learn to live with and overcome. Yes. And you're more likely to succeed if you um, project confidence, even if you don't feel it. Yes, yes, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> That's what we always say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And what's the best advice you've ever received and who is it from? We've got such great mentors and they, they really are always uh, giving us the greatest tools of wisdom. But something that um, my my mentor, Andre Devet, recently said to me, and that it's his sort of um, catchphrase, if you will, is 
stay humble and hustle hard. Mm. And um, I think I think that's the the greatest piece of advice that I've had recently, for sure. Yeah, and I think from my perspective, just keep getting up no matter how how many times you get knocked down. Mm. That's a great a great one as well. Yes. Yeah. I think both of them very applicable to the entrepreneur's life. Stay humble and hustle hard and keep getting back up because as an entrepreneur, you're going to get knocked down yeah. quite yeah. often. Yeah. Find yeah. that strength of character to just refuse to quit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And what advice would you give to younger versions of yourself just starting out? Don't be afraid to... Tell people your ideas, and and have them shoot them down and shoot holes in them. Um, because I think as an entrepreneur, that is first, and that's that's going to always be kind of your first step. Is you've got this idea, now you need to start telling people about it, whether they're your potential customers or just your friends or your family or whoever. And I think they, that's that's always going to be the first leap. You know, the first yeah. new. Once you've told people, you kind of have to make it happen. That's yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's that's the, the great motivation. Yeah. Huh. So um, the the advice that I would I would give my younger self is, don't wait so long to hmm. do what you've always wanted to do because we always wanted to do this, but you know, there was fear holding us back because yeah. you don't want to be, you don't want to look a fool, you don't want to be a failure um, yes. and and I would looking back now I would much rather die saying that I tried yeah. if I had to die tomorrow I would be much happier saying that I tried and I failed than mm. I never tried at all mm. so just do it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah every t I think every entrepreneur we speak with sort of wishes that they were able to have just do it as their tagline because it's so applicable. <laughs> so applicable, yeah. Just yeah. do it even though you and, and don't and the other piece of advice I think for the younger self is don't fixate on perfection. Um, mm. So don't try and make sure that the product that you release is perfect before releasing it. Release it as soon as you can in the shabbiest form it might have a hundred different bugs it's fine just mm. get it out there and then fix it up based on the feedback that you get from your clients um, you know don't try and make it perfect before you let anyone yeah, see it because, because your you're perfect never anyway. is not going to be what everyone else wants anyway mm. I like that I like that that's really great advice sometimes you can to sit down and continue to fix random little things that might not even matter when the customer just wants to see something and, and test it out. Exactly. Yeah. And what is one internet resource or application that you couldn't live without? Let's exclude Event Room and exclude Google. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, yeah. Huh. Um, that's been a great marketing tool for us, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter, but Facebook has been really good in terms of getting the message out there and just helping, especially initially when you have no marketing budget. Mm. Um, it's also, it also helps us find people. Yeah. Um, especially it's market the, too. Yeah, the events, a lot of venues, you know, have listings themselves on, on Facebook, Facebook pages, business pages. Um, so it's a great way for us to network and find people and, and it's, a, it's a great marketing tool for us. So. Yeah, Facebook's been amazing. Okay. Yeah. And what advice can you give to the bandits and also me uh, on sort of connecting with people through social media and building your followership? Um, you just got to post things as often as you can and not always braggy things about yourself or... Um, what you do, you've got to post useful things that um, users want to see, and also just reach out on on social media. So I often just search for venues on Facebook or on Twitter and send them a message, or go and like their pages and tell them they have an awesome venue, um, and ask them to list. Uh, yeah, I think. Sort of, um, 
we, we're big believers in content marketing um, through social media and the yeah. value that that adds in terms of building your followership and building your network. So, in other words, instead of posting a little meme that says Happy Monday and adds no value, um, you know, write a blog post on uh, the top 10 venues in Cape Town for Valentine's Day or whatever it is, you know, some kind of content that adds value to people's lives and that they'll want to post and re and retweet and share. Yeah, that um, kind of relates to your business in some sort of way. Yeah, mm. and, and that really helps to to grow your followership and to to get the to to build your brand because uh, you know that's something that people actually want to share and talk about. Mm. Mm. I really like that, and I think sometimes when you were sort of working with the business online, you forget that there are people on the other side of of that computer. Uh, yeah. For some of the bandits, I would just encourage them, like you said, to reach out to people, reach out to venues, or however you're trying to build your business. That's how this this uh, podcast originated. Is I saw, I read a news article about what you guys were doing, and I just decided to send an email. I did a little scouring for your email addresses, but I was able to just send you an email, and you responded. And I think oftentimes people forget that there are other people on the other sides of those computers. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's also been a huge lesson for us um, in the sense that I think people have a huge fear, especially about approaching large companies or large organizations. Um, and they think, oh, well, you know, they'll never be interested in hearing from me. They'll never be interested in listening to what I have to say or, um, you know, anything. Um, and they forget that, as you say, there's people on the, on the other sides of those computers. And as long as you... Um, have a good value proposition or some something interesting um, or valuable. Those people will get back to you, and I mean, you know, that's how we that's how we've done everything to date. Is just like you, we've sent emails to big companies, you know, yeah. and a hundred percent of them are not going to get back to you. But yeah. it's a numbers game a yeah. lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of them do. A lot and, of them do. And strangely, yeah. you know, you would you would think that. That the bigger companies would be slower to respond, but in actual fact, it's the other way around. They're mm. usually the fastest. Mm. Yes. And to close out this rapid fire round, do you guys feel like you've made it yet? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. No, I don't think we'll feel like we've made it for a long time still. Um, certainly not before we've implemented our revenue model, even. Um, but even after that, you know, I think. I, I really won't feel like we've made it until we've uh, until we've attained all of our goals, which I mm. don't actually know is ever really possible. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. To answer the question briefly, no. Um, <laughs> but but we certainly, having said that, I don't feel like we we're not successful or we haven't achieved anything. So there is a great sense of achievement. Mm. Um, and happiness attached to that achievement, but certainly don't feel like we can kind of say, okay, mm. cool, mm. we've arrived and that's it now. And, yeah, know. and I think that was a really great rapid fire round. I learned a lot from it. I'm sure the bandits appreciate everything you guys you guys uh, spoke about. And as we cool down, what is one book that you would recommend to the bandits? Um, I would have to say that it would be Blue Water Strategy. Um, I can't remember who the author is now. I can look it up for you quickly. Um, but basically, it's a book about making sure that your business is unique. Um, Blue Ocean Strategy. Sorry, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, yeah, and just making sure that your business is unique and you're not, um, you're opening up a whole new kind of idea that's by W. Chan Kim and yeah for me I think the lean startup was really Mm. for me um, just try and keep everything as cheap as possible (laughs) (laughs) you pretty much have to do that but don't try people by having an office Mm. or like you know T-shirts printed. Yeah. Yes. Keep as possible. Yeah, and keep your MVP as simple as possible. Yeah. Mm. 
I think that I think those are really good books. I've read The Lean Startup. I haven't come across The Ocean Strategy yet, but those are two books that we're going to provide to all of the bandits who are on our website and go to Moira and Nikki's uh, bio page. And you can also get that if you sign up for our newsletter. We'll be able to send that out to you so you don't even have to search for it. Yes. And what advice would you give to those bandits that are listening that are afraid to take the next step that they know they should? Oh, just um, find somebody who you can work with. Um, because as we've said before, uh, taking that next step by yourself is really daunting. If you can find a great co-founder, it's far less daunting. Um, and then don't be afraid to to move back in with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the next yeah. step is is obviously scary for a number of reasons, but one of them is financial concerns. Mm. Um, yeah. You need to have some good support strategies. Yeah, put put your support strategies in place, and and then don't be afraid to to rely on your friends and family. Find yourself a co-founder, and then just do it. Mm. <laughs> yes, back to that <laughs> Nike mantra: just do it. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's really good advice is sometimes understanding that for you to achieve your dream, there might have to be sacrifices. Sometimes we don't want to move back in with our parents, but sometimes it's sort of the logical next step if you're trying to build something and trying to save money. So it's uh, I like what you said, setting up your support strategies and uh, sort of moving with that. And sometimes it can be even more motivation for you to to get out of whatever situation, help you to build faster. Yes, well, I think that there's a lot of, I've, I've known a lot of uh, friends of mine who've wanted to start businesses and, you know, then when you see them two, three years down the line, they still haven't done it and you ask them why not and there's always a plethora of reasons, you know, they give you, oh, well, I can't because, you know, I need to pay my rent or I can't because I've got X, Y, Z, um, you know, someone relying on me or I've got this responsibility or that or you know, th there's always a reason not to do it, and and if you really want to to make your business happen, then you need to stop making excuses. And the younger you are, the easier it is because you have less responsibilities, less people relying yeah. on you. But if you've got a car that you're paying off and you can't start your business because of your car, then sell your car. Huh. And huh. if you can't because you're paying rent, then move back in with your parents. And if you can't because, you know, there's a plan to be made and it's up to you to make it and your dreams aren't going to realize themselves. You need to actually make the sacrifices and do do whatever it takes to, to realize your dreams. So, hmm. I think that's really good advice. Uh, it's sort of spurring me to sort of remove any excuses. I think one of the things uh, we see is you'll always find a reason to not do something. Yes, totally. There's, and that's that's exactly it. You know, that's what people always always seem to um, come to me with some reason as to why they can't do it. Um, and there's always a solution. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a comfortable solution. Moving back in with your folks is not great, and selling your car is not nice. Not nice to take a bus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people don't want to do that. They don't want to stop uh, going out on Friday nights and and you know staying at home because they don't have money. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's taking you out of your comfort zone and it's taking you out of that that stability and and the things that you've built up for yourself over the past decade if you've been in the working world. Hmm. Um, so you know it's 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 hard and it's scary and it's not nice and that's why people don't want to do it and you just need to look yourself in the mirror and say stop making excuses. Hmm. If I really want this to happen, then it's up to me. Yes. Yeah. Very great advice and. For those people who are living outside of South Africa or those people in South Africa, what sort of industries would you encourage them to get involved in? That's a tough one. Well, for us, obviously, tech is is um, great because it's it's you don't need um, a lot of capital down. Yeah. Um, and I think you know. That's another great excuse that I always hear is, oh, we don't have any funding, we don't have any capital. Um, and that's why getting into the online space is so great because if you can find a technical co-founder, then 
that's what you're done. You know, you just need somebody who can build your product and then go out and sell the product. Um, so, so for entrepreneurs who are looking to, you know, who don't have a lot of capital or are not able to bootstrap something expensive, I would, I would say tech is, is a great field and there's a great infrastructure and support system in Cape Town um, mm. Mm. Uh, and Nigeria. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's 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 really good uh, because there are a lot of people who are thinking of uh, ways that they can impact change back at home, and I think uh, tech is always a good way because you, it can be done remotely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't need offices. You don't need buildings. You don't need machinery. You don't need any of that. Those yeah. overheads are, are not there. It's it's certainly the you need a computer and the internet and possibly a phone. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And as we say goodbye, unfortunately, we're getting to that moment where we have to say goodbye. But for those listeners that have been particularly inspired by what you guys have been talking about, the work that you're doing, and just in general by your story, how can they connect with you for mentorship or even internship opportunities? Um, they can get hold of us at uh, Nikki, N-I-C-K-Y at eventroom.co.za. They can go to our website, uh, which is just eventroom, E-V-E-N-T-R-O-O-M.co.za, and go to the contact page, send us a message. Um, or they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, LinkedIn, <laughs> pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, send us a message. Okay. More than happy get back life, to yeah. anyone and, and answer any questions or hmm. provide any advice that we can. Great. Not that we have <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And now we, we leave with the final question and this is for, I want you both to answer individually and you can't, you can't use the other person as part of your answer. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you're tasked with building the greatest business the world has ever seen. You can bring on any two people living or dead. With you taking the lead, who would you bring on and what would you do? Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, I would bring on Elon Musk. <laughs> he would be my first. And Richard Branson would be my second. Um, what would we do? Oh. Um, I think probably something in robotics because the robotic revolution is said to be the next revolution after the mobile revolution. Mm. Uh, and with Elon's, uh, Elon's capabilities and, and Richard's ability to sell anything, um, you know, I think we definitely have a winning team. Um, and insofar as the specific robotic idea, um, I am really inspired to see... Um, the um, progress that's being made in AI, artificial intelligence, mm. um, and I think that I would like to do something in, in artificial intelligence with the two of them. I think uh, that's going to be a very big part of the, of the human race's future. Mm. Mm. From my answer would be uh, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> and I would have to also say Richard Branson. I'm a very big fan of his. Um, and what I would create is probably something to do with science, something to do with um, cancer research, um, finding a cure for cancer. Uh, no, that's not their fields, but um, yeah. their uh, sort of expertise in uh, selling and social media and just getting the word out there, I think, would help greatly in getting funding for the project. Um, and yeah, I haven't really thought about any <laughs> that kind of thing. That's a really interesting spot question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there we have it. We have Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and Moira taking the lead. And we have Mark Zuckerberg, Richard Branson, and Nikki taking the lead. Uh, I think there would definitely be some interesting things that would come out of there. One wants to build robots and one wants to rid the world of cancer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe the robots can do it for us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the robot that rids the world of cancer. There you go. <laughs> there. 
Well, Moira, Nikki, thank you so much for, for being on the Knowledge Bandits today. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure the Bandits appreciate it as well. Thank you Thanks, so much Sam. for having yeah. us. It was lovely chatting to you. Yeah. Great. Stay inspired. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. You can also follow Knowledge Bandits on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, Bandits, stay inspired.